I'm Jay Moran. I'm Bridget Jaipal Valenza. I'm Thomas O'Neill White. I'm Angelie Preston. We need to get together and let our voices be heard. This is What's Next. A dedicated hour to have important conversations about the issues facing the marginalized and underrepresented communities of Western New York and Southern Ontario. We're going to have some real healing. We've got to have space to tell some uncomfortable truth. What's Next continues our mission to discuss race, equity, and the common concerns of Buffalo's East Side and beyond. In the suburban area everywhere, we must work and teach our children. All right. I'm host Thomas O'Neill White. I'd like to welcome back to our program Dr. LeGarrette King. He's the director for the Center of K-12 Black History and Racial Literacy Education at the University at Buffalo. He is also the creator of Black History Nerds Saturday School. And his next guest is also with us, Donovan James, PhD student in the Department of Learning and Instruction and social media star. Thank you both for being with us today. Nice to be here. Thank you. Garrett, you've been on with us a few times before. I actually think you've you've broken the record for for most times on the show now. Um, but for those folks who haven't heard of, of Black History Nerds Saturday School, tell us a bit about it. Um, is there a curriculum for it? Yeah. So um, I'll give a little backstory um, for for why Black History Nerds. Um, but but just um, Black History Nerds is a uh, a professional development. Um, sessions that happen every second um, Saturday of each month. Um, and during Black History Month, we ha- we hold hold um, the sessions uh, every weekend. But during 2020, um, I received a uh, DM from a, 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 a classmate um, who, um, you know, was following my career. And, you know, he just pointed out and said, LeGarrette, I know nothing. I know nothing about black history. And this is a wow. black guy, right? He's a black guy. We went wow. to the same school. He was a you know, one one of our star athletes and went to an SEC school like I, I did and um he's a pastor now. Um and he just said, Look, yeah, I, I know nothing and I would love for you to um tutor me, right, in black history, right? Um and during that time, you know, um, I was extremely busy with all different types of, you know, black history stuff. And I said, well, what can I do to help him out as well as others? Because I understood that he wasn't the only person that, you know, just didn't know anything about black history. So that's where the idea came from. Right. You know, um, I'm a black history nerd. Donovan's a black history nerd. I mean, anything dealing with black history, we we want to know more about and 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 learn deeply. Um, so I can with the idea of said, hey, well, why don't we have these one-hour sessions on Saturday mornings? We're just a bunch of nerds that wake up on Saturday mornings to learn about Black history, and mm-hmm. um, you know, nothing. You know, you you can grab your you know your breakfast or coffee or lunch or brunch or whatever the case may be, and we just sit down and we celebrate, you know, um, learning about Black history. So, what are, what are the types of topics that you get into? I mean, because because you know. A lot of people will say, well, yeah, well, in school I learned about Benjamin Banneker, I learned about Frederick Douglass, I learned about Martin Luther King and the Civil Rights Movement. But there's there's obviously so much more to learn about black history. 
So what are the type of topics you get into? Yeah, so we focus both on, um, you know, content as well as um, instructional methods, um, um, literacy. Um, so our most recent one dealt with um, how to teach um, history through a Afro-Indigenous perspective, right? Um, we've had um, one this year that, that looked at um, um, imprisonment. Right. Mm-hmm. And and the history of that and what um, people are doing now. We had, um, you know, a session a few years ago teaching black history to white people by Dr. Leonard Moore, my um, you know undergraduate um, history professor. And so we we've had uh, several different, you know, topics that that we explore. And even when we uh, focus on content. Right. We try to take a different angle. You know, to that, because there's one thing about knowing about Dr. Martin Luther King, but really delving into his life is one thing about learning about Malcolm X, but really delving into his life. So um, in the future, we have, you know, this coalition of history teachers um, in K-12 education, uh, teacher educators who teach teachers, as well as history professors who come on um, to to uh, conduct these series. So it sounds very robust. The structure is there. For anyone, yes, um, it's actually um, you know becoming a destination for many people. Um, you know, Donovan is going to do our next um, nerd series, in which which will focus on you know K three education and Black history. So we're very excited about um, all those particular perspectives. Yeah, D- Donovan, I wanted to bring you in. Yeah. You are you are the next guest on uh, Black History Nerds Saturday School. Um, you were an elementary school teacher? Yes, I taught kindergarten. And you tried to you centered black history into your everyday teaching. Yes, absolutely. T- talk a little bit about that, please. Yeah, so something I noticed is that in the curriculum and the especially the social studies standards, black people were missing. Like you talk about Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks, but what about the other black people that did things? So mm-hmm. um I did my best to bring in like specifically picture books that center black history for my students to learn from. Um, and integrating Black history into science and math and literacy as well. And how do you how do you integrate it into science and math? So, like with science, looking at plants, so bringing in George Washington Carver, and learning about living organisms like Ernest Everett Just, who was a biologist. Um, in math, looking at like mathematician of the day, so something as simple as that, like it doesn't have to be always so complex. So just really honoring Black mathematicians. And Dr. King, you call yourself. The head nerd in charge. <laughs> where do you get where? Um, where does that moniker come from? So it's a play on um, "Lean on Me," right? Uh, so if um, you know so some of the more seasoned um, audience members out there ever seen "Lean on Me," you kind of mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. know the yep. phrase, right? Some of the younger people are still like, "Huh, what's, what's going on?" and everything like that. And um, you know, Donovan and our associate. Uh, uh, Director Brittany Jones, she, uh, they all think I'm gonna mess up one day and <laughs> say the wrong, thing. <laughs> say the wrong, yeah. say the wrong thing for me. So, uh, but no, no, no. It's 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 just celebrating, you know, learning, learning, right? Um, we don't have to learn for a purpose, but just for for just for our being and our humanity. And so, as the hurt. Um, the head nerd in charge, our history nerd in charge, right? Um, you know, I see that as a very important, you know, position for us to kind of push forth the learning of history. What else are you trying to accomplish within this space? Wow. So the center has so many things going. Um, one of the things that I'm real um, 
really excited about is our micro credential that we are, um, you know, hopefully going to launch in 2024 uh, for teachers. Right. So there are several states, including New York State, that have what what I would call black history mandates in their laws, meaning that each school district is supposed to teach black history, whether it's a singular class, an elective mm-hmm. um, or and you know, that's every the- district within the state. Yes, yes, yes. According to the Amistad law that uh, New York State passed, I want to say 1994 it, or or 2024, some, 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 something around that line. But um, but what the problem is, a lot of teachers um, lack either knowledge or mm-hmm. they're they're uh, scared to teach Black history in a certain type of way, right? Um, so you know, the micro credential through the center is supposed to help those teachers kind of approach and broach those topics that may be deemed a little difficult uh, for them, as well as where to start, because even your best history teachers have a large gap when it cons- when when um, you know. Uh, concerning black history education. Why would a teacher be scared to teach black history or or teach black history in a certain way? Yeah, so several different, um, um, you know, concepts a lot here, right? Number one, um, there are some, you know, tough historical things that has happened to black folk, right, throughout uh, our yes. history, right? Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, some teachers are afraid to misspeak on certain certain topics. Right. So whether it's slavery or whether it's, you know, uh, a civil rights movement or whether it's just just anything concerning lynching or even just talking about, you know, persons such as Malcolm X, the Black Panthers, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the biggest um, and 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 then we're looking at history teachers that pride themselves in knowing history. But when you kind of present things that they don't know, then they become a little shy and, <laughs> and like, oh, my gosh, I didn't right. know that I've been teaching history for 20 plus years. Right. Um, so there is a kind of disconnect between what society and teachers know about black people. And that's because we have a poor black history education in this um, country. Donovan, do you want to? Jump in on that as well. Yeah, um, I've been doing just some work with different districts and teachers just, again, like Garrett said, afraid to say the wrong thing um, and don't want to inappropriately teach, you know, the enslavement of Africans and black people here in America. So they're just really like restricting themselves for from diving in. Is there is there a right way? to teach black history and is there a wrong way to teach <laughs> black history? That's an interesting question. And typically we don't deal with dichotomies in terms of right or wrong, but yeah, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> you know, there's a wrong way. <laughs> like for example, right, there there has been instances uh, all over the country about teaching slavery through mock slave auctions, right? Right. Where, you know, hey, you know, there's a black kid or there are kids in general who are playing slaves. The other people um, in, in the class are playing, quote, unquote, masters or whatever, and they're feeling and they're touching, and they're learning history in that particular way, right? There's been, you know, places where kids picking cotton in, mm-hmm. in a cotton field and, you know, you know, slavery math problems that focus on violence and all that stuff, yeah. right? So Do you, so those, do you object to that? type of teaching yes 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 because i think um in in many ways that brings additional harm 
to um, mm-hmm. you know to uh, black students, right? You know, um, and you know, saying to other students who um, look at this as you know something appropriate, right? Now, the slavery math problems inherently are not you know wrong, but the way in which they constructed um, those math problems could be very um, problematic. Oh, so, oh, go ahead. Uh, um, I can do the the proper way a little bit later if you have have, have the question. Oh no, go ahead, mm-hmm. go ahead, please. So um, when we're looking at the most appropriate way to teach black history, I think that requires kind of a rethinking of what history is. Mm-hmm. I don't. Oh, is that is this the the teaching black history versus teaching traditional history? Yeah, yeah. So 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 it's 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 this concept where typically in our schools, and this has been researched ever since. Uh, the early 20th century. So, um, you know, from scholars, um, you know, for so long ago that the history curriculum has always, our history text, textbooks have always featured a Eurocentric way of approaching and mm-hmm. looking at history, right? So, you know, even, shoot, up until 1976, you still had disparaging um, comments about black people in textbooks, you know, saying that they were happy being slaves and they loved their slave masters, et cetera, et cetera. So that's been in my lifetime, right? So, so um, you're looking at, you know, a, a history curriculum that has really focused on white men who are heterosexual and who are land-owning, um, able-bodied, et cetera, et cetera. And many times, you know, black people's perspectives and other people's perspectives were not even um, thought about, like, mm-hmm. like within that. So when we think about black history, black history is really unique because black history is, is essentially um, – learning history from black people's perspectives, their voices, and their epistemologies slash ways of knowing, right? And that looks totally different from the history curriculum in which we teach now. Just as a quick aside, you said you, you mentioned you went to an SEC school. Where'd you go? Uh, Louisiana State University. Go, go Tigers. You. Okay. All right. All right. Go Tigers. I'm, I'm just going to say this. Watch out for my Kentucky Wildcats all right. in the, this basketball season. Okay. We're, yeah. We're back, yeah, baby. Yeah, we're back. Because I know we're not talking about football. No. <laughs> we are not talking about football. <laughs> um, Donovan, I want to I wanna get to you on your – Social media presence, yes. very strong, very <laughs> strong there. You've got a hashtag called Teacher Drip. Yep. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so um, as a elementary school teacher, like I still want to be cool and cute. Um, so this really started at the height of the pandemic. Um, my students were at home, but I was teaching on Zoom, and so I had an empty classroom. So I'm like, I might as well show people what I'm wearing because I'm still dressed nice, um, even teaching on Zoom. So that's how that started. And now that I um, am teaching, of course, at UB now, I still now it's called Professor Drip. So I still want to show people my swag. Nice, nice. <laughs> and you've got you've got a number of uh, buttons on yes. your jean jacket. Yes. Um, what are the more important ones for you that you're wearing um, so right now? So I recently just got one for the cover of my book um, from my editor that she just sent. Um, and then I have one called Believe Black Women, which I definitely think is important. And I have a Jean-Michel Basquiat um, pen, which is important because my students and I studied Jean-Michel Basquiat in kindergarten. So Did you? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Um, you mentioned it. You've got a book coming out. Yes, yes. I have a uh, book coming out October beyond, 31st. Beyond February? Yeah, Beyond February. Uh, tell us about it. Yeah, so Beyond February, Teaching Black History Any Day, Every Day, and All Year Long is about my experience teaching black history in the elementary classroom. 
Um, so just looking at going beyond the people, um, going beyond the books and going beyond the curriculum, but also celebrating black history during Black History Month as well. Yeah, there's a there's always been an argument that, all right, well, we're going to we're going to learn about black people during the month of February, which is also the shortest month <laughs> of the year. But it's like, all right, well, this is just confined to February. Um but now it seems like we're 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 branching out mm-hmm. a little bit more. Like this is this is more than just a month long. Mm-hmm. This is our history. This is not not only is this our history, but it this is the history of the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's I, it's got to feel good to have a hand in that. Look, Garrett. You know what's interesting about that, and and just just like we do a lot of times in the United States, we just take something, we mess it up, right? <laughs> yes. When um, Carter G. Wilson first uh, created Negro History Week in 1926, the idea was not to teach black people only one time per year. That week was designated to actually celebrate what we learned about black history throughout the year, right? So Black History Month is really supposed to be just a celebration of what we've learned, Mm. right? Not necessarily a time to dedicate towards teaching black history, but a time where children in schools would be assessed with different projects and and all these particular concepts. The society would, you know... um, you know, just celebrate what the theme was during that particular year. Um, but, you know, in, in, in essence, right. And, and, and black history month was, um, you know, was, um, selected because of Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass's birthday, which, which fell um, in the middle of February. Right. So, mm-hmm. so, you know, those, those two things I just want to clarify for the audience. We'll be back with more after this. Buffalo is home to many historical treasures, including architectural gems. Central Terminal affected everybody. Everybody from the common man to the movie star walked this concourse. Beloved community establishments. They might get a glimpse to see Lena Horne. Uh, They might uh, see Dizzy or Miles Davis, uh, you know, Charlie Parker. And homes for local sports teams. When we talk about an institution, Memorial Auditorium was an institution. The WNED PBS original production, Remembering Western New York, Explore some of these iconic structures and their connection to people who live in the region. There was a time when Buffalo's Main Street was the focus of holiday shopping in Western New York. Watch Remembering Western New York now on YouTube. Hey, is this thing on? Test, test, one, two. Sounds great. Let's go. The podcast world is overflowing with more than 750,000 podcasts to choose from. But for great local podcasts, you can now go to one place, the new Amplified BTPM Pods app. Here you can discover content produced in Western New York and Southern Ontario, our own backyard. With a wide variety of genres to choose from, there is something for everyone. Listen to the best independently produced podcasts in the region anywhere, anytime. Download the free Amplify BTPM Pods app wherever you get your apps and begin exploring your local podcast community now. Do you love theater? Can't get enough of Broadway shows? Join WBFO's Anthony Chase this January in New York City for Kimberly Akimbo and Juliet Back to the Future, A Beautiful Noise, and Shucked. 
Show tickets, hotel, travel, and select meals are included. Space is limited, so don't delay. January 22nd through the 26th. Call 716-630-3731 or email rsullivan at nyaaa.com. You're listening to What's Next, our place to discuss the important issues of our communities of Western New York and Southern Ontario. We want to hear from you. Click on the Talk to Us option in the WBFO app, and we will work to get your questions or comments on the air. Do you have a story or concern that we should be addressing? Email us using what's next at WBFO.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. This is What's Next, Thomas O'Neill White talking black history, education, censorship, and more with Dr. LeGarrette King, the director of the Center for K-12 Black History and Racial Literacy Education at the University at Buffalo, and Donovan James, an author, social media star, and second-year PhD student in the Department of Learning and Instruction at UB. Donovan is the next guest on Dr. King's Black History Nerds Saturday School program. And speaking of books. I wanted to get your thoughts on censorship, bannings. Where are we going as a country when 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 we are deciding to do this? And I the collective we. Yeah, yeah. It's really um, you know, distraught when I think about it because uh, first of all, you, you know, we had this manufactured crisis, right, that was not happening, you know, in many schools, probably in barely any schools in, you know, our country. But um, we do have a history of cultural wars, and cultural wars win elections, right? And, right. And, and that has always, you know, happened since, since, since the late 19th century. Um, but in many ways, these book bans... Um, and even banning or making black history illegal uh, within school districts are just simply telling black people that our voices and our lives do not matter, right? Um, and, you know, you know, the most interesting, you know, concept is, you know, the fight against CRT, but the most ironic aspect of CRT is that this is what CRT is for, right? Right. To examine, you know, all these kind of racist, institutionalized, systemic uh, practices to exclude, you know, black people and other people of color from from uh, the body politic, right? So so it's, it's, it's a real interesting you know, phrase because in many ways when we look at different book bands, a lot of these book bands just have black characters in it. Right. Mm-hmm. Or or black authors. Or black authors, right? With with limited, you know, um, you know, access to talking about quote unquote race and racism. Although, you know, some of them do, but you know, I believe that book um that talked about black hair, you know, yeah. black girls' hair mm-hmm. was banned and, and you're sitting there and you're like, Okay, no one sees this, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But but it gives it, it continues to impress upon black Americans that your ideas, mm-hmm. your knowledge, your perspectives are not wanted um, in different spaces around this country. Diamond, you want to add to that? Yeah. So, I mean, I expected it to just be books that center just black historical events and people. But it is just kids being kids. Like there's a book called Crown about a boy getting a black boy getting his hair cut at the barbershop. That's banned. But we can't find like example like why are these books being banned so um as like said it's just like black characters um being banned and just showing kids that even just you going to get your hair cut is a 
something to be banned. Yeah, how, how do we combat this? How do we fight against this? It's not. It's 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 got to be. Seems like it's got to be something we have to do every day. You know, um, you know, in 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 a simple sense, we need politicians fighting against politicians. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't. I haven't really seen that from. You know, a particular party that begs black people to vote for them every single um, mm-hmm. yep. presidential you right. know, cycle. Um, I'm sure in local spaces that may happen or whatever, um, but but I just haven't seen it. Right. Um, but what's most interesting is that we are only a few years removed um, from what people have called racial reckoning. Right. Particularly in the summer of 2020. Um, and we had all these particular, you know, allies and co-conspirators. And as soon as all of these, you know, laws started to pop up and it just seems like those people disappeared. And all the promises of 2020 just disappeared in a snap. Right. And that's very disheartening because the power is in the people. And I truly believe that the people that are fighting against this, um, are the minority. I think I read a, you know, article that in one school district, it's like one or two people who have all this power. Have all this power that have banned all these particular books and that's just not right, right? Um so if we had and if I can be frank, if we had white people that cared enough to fight against these particular things cuz black folk have been fighting against these these spaces, but if we had those same people who did all this performative um, justice within the summer of 2020 mm-hmm. come out and fight this, then I think things would be a little bit better. But it seems like just people just raised their hands and they walked away. Yeah, it'd be nice if they uh, put back on the kente cloth that they borrowed and came <laughs> came back and, and started fighting again. Um, so is this is this tied into critical race theory? Because it seems like the hysteria over critical race theory has died down somewhat, but it's kind of morphed into this, well, we don't want you to read these kind of books. Yeah, well, I think, you know, we we need scholars and uh, people and lawyers to continue to, um, to um, you know, examine what's going on through a CRT lens, right? And just help people kind of understand uh, the language, uh, help them understand how the theory is used to explain different phenomenon um, and clarify a lot of different things, right? Because I don't um, think that people who have a, you know, agenda to mm-hmm. discredit something. Where, so, so I'll say this. I've been a professor for, oh, my goodness, like 12 years, right? I've been in education for 24 almost years. Um, and I've studied critical race theory in, in, in school as well as I've wrote a few articles um, focused on the CRT. And it's so much that I don't understand about CRT, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and, and I actually take the time to read the most important literature that is, you know, situated. And, you know, you know, CRT is still pretty relatively young in terms of education for us to really grasp all that other stuff. But to have people that haven't read as much as other scholars have have read to dictate what people believe, I think is really sickening. And we need to kind of reevaluate who we listen to and call, um, you know, experts on these particular issues. Mm. 
Mm. You feel the same way, Donovan? Yeah, I think banning the books is really about control, but I say read them anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> can, you, can you give an example of trying to find that clarity to, to clarify these things? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, particularly let's, 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 let's say one of the, um, you know, biggest principles of CRT is that race is permanent, right? Um, is something that's permanent in, in, in our society. And I think people, um, they, uh, people who believe in the goodness of the United States or believe in the goodness of, of uh, people just simply don't want to believe that, you know, race, ra- racism as a system is still present in our society. CRT scholars um, try to highlight how racism is still part of our society and how it restricts aspects of people of color right mm-hmm. um and you know of course this can be you know with 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 the book ban it can be a perfect uh, um 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 way to explain how you know racism particularly systemic racism because if you are banning books within a system a school mm-hmm. system um if you're telling teachers that they can't teach certain concepts around racism a system right um if 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 you have government agencies are you know saying it's against the law to have DEI offices and policies, you know, that's a system, right? Uh, I think it's really important for people to realize, oh, so this is how, right? Because if the majority of uh, DEI officers or people of color, oh, now they don't have a job. Oh, who's going to hurt, you know, Mm -hmm. um, if teachers are being punished for teaching about race and racism? Typically, it's the black teachers, right? And now, you know, you have less black teachers in the classroom. So all these things are cycles that that, that systems play into um, racial equality. And if you get rid of those particular aspects, then, you know, then, then, of course, racism is permanent. And even in our gerrymandering, right? Um, you know, you have places like well, there's this case in Georgia, right? Now. Yeah, yeah, Georgia, and, and but 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 even let's let's take a um, let's take Mississippi as an an example. Mississippi, almost forty percent black. Mm-hmm. If 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 not the majority population in the um, state of Mississippi, and if ninety plus percent of black people vote blue, then at best Mississippi is supposed to be a purple state. Yeah, at best. Right. Right. So we have to examine, well, what policies are making Mississippi just a strictly red state? Right. And typically we'll see the congressional areas um, um, drawn in there and et cetera, et cetera. Right. So all those things are important for us to understand and not take for face value. What um, what are you guys listening to these days? What's your What's on your playlist? What's on your Spotify playlist? Playlist. I like I like Beyonce. A lot of Beyonce. J Cole. A lot of J Cole. I listen to J Cole almost every day. Yeah. Um. And, and some Kirk Franklin. I sprinkle a little Kirk Franklin in all there. Right, all right. A little Jesus every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm 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 shit. The same boys to men because because <laughs> I'm I'm supposed to be the fifth member. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I spread, you know, so so really for me is nineties R and B. Um, you know, sometimes nineties um, hip hop or early two thousands hip hop. Okay. You know, um, 
I do some old school, you know, old school R and B a lot of times, kind of, kind of uh, um, going back to my mom and cleaning them on a, on a Saturday mornings and everything like that. Um, yeah, man, yeah, yeah, this new stuff I can. I think I woke up one day uh, real early, at four o'clock in the morning, to do some work. Yeah, and I said, let me play some of this, you know, you know, new stuff. And there's a <laughs> song by. Um, uh, Doja Cat, I think it was like oh. Paint the Town Red or something like that. <laughs> so I, I just put it on because I like the song, catchy beat or whatever the case it be. Right. But then the algorithm just took me into a different direction. <laughs> I was like, "What is this?" Right. So, so I'm 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 '90s. I'm all the way. <laughs> yeah, I, I would ag- I would agree with that. I I there's some new stuff I can get into, but a lot of it, I'm just like I I just I can't. I don't. I don't really identify with these artists like I do like a 90s or even like late 80s like hip hop. I I grew up on the boom bap, so mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. something I'm always KRS, Big Daddy Kane, yeah, yeah. Rakim. Um it's just interesting to see the culture how far hip hop culture has come where we've we've passed the 50 year mark yes yes and, yes and, yes and you you've got well you've, you've got a shirt on that's yeah uh in that same vein um where do you see where do you see black culture heading not just hip hop culture but black culture generally speaking I don't know. I see black culture just dominating, really. Like, I see a lot of blackness, and I surround myself with a lot of blackness, and I try to be as black as possible (laughs) 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 so that blackness, black culture can be the dominant culture. Do you you have an issue with other cultures adopting certain aspects of our culture? Not necessarily an issue. I mean, just give us our credit. Really, I mean, if you give us our credit, because we know what you're doing, like right. <laughs> it's not we like you're you. hiding. Yeah, we see you. So just give us our credit and, and be honest about that. Like you did not do that. That was us. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor King, how you feel about it? You know what's interesting? Um, black folk are so uh, you know creative. Um, so when we see and resourceful, yeah, and very resourceful, right? You know. Um, um, and 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 we have to let the kids do their thing. Right? Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you know, even as I said, you know, oh man, I don't understand it. It's not for me to understand. It's not, you know, um, as my parents didn't understand NWA and right. didn't understand, you know, a tribe called Quest or anything like that. You know, it's not for us to understand. Um, I think you know, what I'm saying we're getting to some more futuristic stuff. I think, you know, whatever that means, right? Um, yeah, there I, is an Afro futuristic movement i don't understand it but yeah. i'd like to understand it well you know what i'm saying you got you know punk rockers and you got you know those who do art and you have people who are kind of reimagining um the future for black folk right i think when when we think about black future and 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 i'm thinking this because that's our next conference um in 2024 um black to the future but when, when we think about um black futures we have to think about uh, people are saying, okay, so what would society look like if white folk just left us alone? Mm. What would society look like without racism, anti-blackness, um, sexism, et cetera, et cetera? And I think that's where like a lot of our young people are kind of thinking now. There's the, there are some excellent people that are, that are doing some wonderful work, but Really and truly, it's about reevaluating our past 
and seeing how we can push forward. Um, and yes, you know what I'm saying? We do have the, you know, the cool colors and, you know, the different, you know, wear and mm-hmm. you know, spaceships and all that other good stuff. But, you know, really it's just kind of reimagining what would society look like if racism and anti-blackness just stop? Right? Yeah, and you bring up a good point because in the earlier episode, you said there there is a difference between racism and anti-blackness. Yeah, yeah. So when we talk about racism, we're talking about racism uh, in terms of all people of color, right? Right. But there's a distinct aspect with anti-blackness because now, you know, we're looking at how other um, races or racialized people look at black folk, Right. So there is, you know, this this kind of anti-blackness against black folk, and of course, from, you know, white folk throughout history. Um, there's an interesting connection between Asians and and blacks and and Latinos and blacks and and all these particular you know groups of people historically that um, is more particular in the way that we look at how power is operated and how black people are are looked at in society. And then plus when we think about just the concept of anti-blackness, anti-blackness is essentially looking at black folk as slaves and not necessarily someone who is owned, but Mm -hmm. someone who doesn't have agency, someone um, who needs to be civilized. And when you look at many of the different laws, even school policy of how these particular policies are enacted towards black folk, Mm-hmm. You can see that people are kind of conflicted about how uh, black culture is kind of conducted, who black people are. And there's always this teaching about who you need to be, um, which can be counter to, um, you know, black culture. And I think in that in that same episode, you said that racism is not necessarily the same everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Yeah, because yeah. in the South, when we think of the South oh, and I, I I'm not. I'm. I was born in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the South, but mm-hmm. when you think of the South, you think of the Klan. You mm-hmm. think of mm-hmm. cross burnings. You think of that upfront, yeah. in your face racism. And then you know, living in this area, living in Western New York, that racism is a little more subtle. You know what's interesting is that you know, and I'm sure you probably feel this way as well. Is that I love the South. I love it. Like I mean, I love it. Graduated high school in Atlanta. Yeah, and I love, you know, uh, being from Louisiana, from East Texas, um, you know, from the Houston area, you know, mm-hmm. you, you know, all these particular your spots. So it's not necessarily like, you know, people like, oh, man, how would you like, you know, why do you like Texas? It's like, well, the Texas that they talk about on the news yeah. is not the Texas <laughs> that I know, right, and like, you know. And it's not like the movies, right? It's not like yeah. when I grew up, right, uh, that someone called me the N-word when, when I'm just walking down the street minding my business, right? That, yeah, that, right. That, that, that was never the case. What was the case, however, is uh, we may not want to cross this uh, you know, railroad track, particularly yeah. at night, right? right? Oh, yeah. You know, you right. know it, 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 it was some unspoken rules, yeah, we might want to dra- we might take a detour to mm-hmm. not go through this town. Exactly. Hey, you know, um interracial dating. Mm, don't think we need to be you, you know, yeah. it, you yeah. know, it, it it was those types of things that everyone kind of knew. I remember um, you know, um the the police in the local town I was at told us one day, "Hey, don't make us take y'all into the woods." 
right? And, you know, you didn't have to say anything, anything else. Mm -hmm. Like, all right, okay, cool. Because we understood if they took us out of the wood, then something bad, you know, would happen. And something probably would never happen to them if, you know, if we told, right? So you're thinking like that. And then you move to places, you know, um, and 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 I haven't lived here long enough, right, to to make any value judgments, you know, in, in New York. I just know, you know, sometimes you want to stay in these larger um, metropolitan Metro, areas, yeah. right? You yeah, know, that's true. Um, but yeah, but 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 I see that, you know, in different aspects. And then you have a different, pardon my language, but a different type of white person. Mm-hmm. Like in the Northeast than you do in the South, right? Yeah. Um, I think there's a more um, solidarity of white ethnic culture here, right, yes. than it is in the South. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Folk in the South just look at the world white and black, mm-hmm. right? You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Here, it's a little bit different, right? You know what I'm saying? So Italians have a little pride, you know. Uh, Irish people have pride, you know, you know et cetera, yeah. et cetera. So there's a different kind of concept that all of us have been, you know, oppressed in many different ways. So, so yeah, yeah, racism in all different places, you know, looks very different. Donovan, what was your experience in uh, Missouri, in the Kansas City area? You know, I saw it more in geographical location, like where my school was and how, you know, some schools were considered black or better. Mm-hmm. And so um, the school district just, just looked different. So my mom was like, well, we need to move out here so you can get a better ed- – because, I mean, the teaching here and the education here looks different because they're not putting as much money um, into the inner city schools, but – there's better schools out here. So that's how it looked to me in Kansas City was just um, by location, like where people were living, what schools, where were people trying to move out to or get bussed out to. Um, and you weren't always allowed to, you couldn't go to a school in a place where you did not live. So then that right. also restricted um, just education. So that's how it kind of looked there. And you've been you've been in Buffalo for a little this over a year? my second year. Second yeah. year? Yeah. What do you? What's your? Uh, what's your opinion on this? On this area? It's it's cool. It, it's different. Um, uh-huh. A lot of um, I was told it's a very enchanting place. Um, there's some really cool places. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. We'll be back with more after this. This is the WBFO History Bite, bringing you a peek into significant historical events for the week of October 30th through November 5th. I'm your host, Josh Deckert. On October 31st, 1968, Buffalo's own WKBW broadcast a remake of the War of the Worlds radio drama for Halloween. On November 1st, 1941, the Bell Aircraft Corporation, located in Buffalo, began development on new aviation technology, the helicopter. On November 3, 1997, the Buffalo-Niagara International Airport opened. The airport now manages over 100 flights daily. And on November 5, 1993, Nirvana performed at the University of Buffalo. The band played at the Alumni Arena. You've been listening to the WBFO History Bite. Discover more stories about Western New York's past on the Buffalo History Museum's website. You can learn more at buffalohistory.org. For WBFO, I'm Josh Deckert.
know that WNED PBS is always working on great new local shows for you to watch? Documentaries like Kleinhand's Gift to Buffalo, which tells the story of Buffalo's music hall. The hall is very intimate, and that intimacy makes everyone who comes in here feel a part of our family. Fun and educational series like Compact Science. Believe it or not, peppers are technically fruits. And Shakespeare's greatest hits featuring some of his best-known soliloquies and monologues. We are such stuff as dreams are made of. You can watch them all on our website at wned.org slash local shows. While you're there, check out the show pages and many websites for additional content such as bonus features, photo galleries, and lesson plans. Find it all at wned.org slash local shows. Birds, whether common or rare, delight me. That's what our new Now We're Birding and Enjoying Nature Club is all about. Oh yes, and the best is being with people who are also interested in wildflowers, animals, and of course, birds. Come along with us, won't you, Peter Hall and me, Stratton Rawson, as we lead monthly excursions to Tift or Rheinstein Woods Nature Preserves. To sign up, go to wned.org front slash birding. You're listening to What's Next, our place to discuss the important issues of our communities of Western New York and Southern Ontario. We want to hear from you. Click on the Talk to Us option in the WBFO app, and we will work to get your questions or comments on the air. Do you have a story or concern that we should be addressing? Email us using what's next at wbfo.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station. This is What's Next, Thomas O'Neill White talking black history, education, censorship, and more with Dr. LeGarrette King, the director of the Center for K-12 Black History and Racial Literacy Education at the University at Buffalo, and Donovan James, an author, social media star, and second-year PhD student in the Department of Learning and Instruction at UB. Donovan is the next guest on Dr. King's Black History Nerds Saturday School program. I would be remiss if I didn't... um, if I didn't talk about this, I was, you know, doing my research and, you know, pulling up these articles on uh, through the University at Buffalo website. And a couple of them were written by my, my good friend, Danielle Laguerre. Just want to give her a shout out, girl. Shout love out. you. Love, love you, girl. Yes. Love you, I love Danielle. Um, so I don't even think, do we even get to what what you will be talking about um, in for your edition of um black history nerds yeah so uh, my plan is to uh focus on my book um specifically looking at elementary black history education what it looks like normally like looking at only black history and social studies but also showing parts of my book where we can expand um on black history education and bringing it into everyday um parts in our school schedule so that's what i'll mostly be focusing on and is your book out now? It'll be out uh, October 31st on Halloween. That's when it publishes. Oh, okay. Yes. Where can we find it? You can find it on Rutledge.com or you can find it on Amazon. But you can. there's a deal on Rutledge, y'all, so you're going to get $7 <laughs> off. <laughs> you know, what's, what's interesting about Donaldson's book, and, and, and it's going to be very powerful, is because elementary um, teachers are needing this type of education the most. I think they they are the ones that um, really, um, um, you know, um, tell us that, hey, we need we need the help, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, in, in secondary schools, 
most of those teachers are content experts, right? But in elementary, they're general education people, right? So, and 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 since social studies is not really focused along on, on a lot, they miss a lot in um, their social studies education. So they're very strong in math, they're very strong in literacy, reading, uh, but social studies and science sometimes are their uh, weakest points. So you know, this book is going to be very big for for everyone, but um, but but um, particularly um, those who deal with younger kids. Something that's stuck with me for a while, and I it's asked in at events, it's asked through social media, and it's a, it's it's a, it's almost something along the lines of when you were growing up, kindergarten through up through high school, up through twelfth grade. How many how many black teachers did you have? And like I could count that on one hand, unfortunately. Yeah, I had. Oh my goodness, I had. I had two. No, no, no. I had five teachers, black teachers throughout my life. Only one black male teacher in seventh grade algebra, Mister mm. Peters. You know, um, um, but 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 five. And I grew up in you know, um, you know Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and yeah. we're pretty racially diverse. Yeah, Donovan K twelve. I- had one she was an english teacher in high school but in elementary i didn't have any black teachers so i guess that begs the question there's got to be an importance to get these teachers of different color especially african-american teachers into these elementary schools into these middle schools into these high schools yeah um you know um we the the uh, black teacher population uh, declined after Brown versus Board of Education, ironically, right? You know, because I don't think people really really explore the history around there. When mm-hmm. when you talk about integration, it meant integrating into white, uh, predominantly white spaces, right? Therefore, when 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 the students were pushed out of their you know uh, neighborhood and community schools uh, to go to these predominantly white schools, then what happened to the black principals and what happened to the black teachers? Many people lost their jobs or got demoted, and we haven't um, we haven't you know um, picked up since mm-hmm. um, the 1970s in terms of you know black teachers and particularly black male teachers. So yeah. you know we're looking at I don't know what um, less than 10 percent you know. Um, Around the country now, now of course you go to Atlanta. You know, you grew up in Atlanta or Houston or Dallas or right. somewhere like you're gonna, that. Yeah. You're gonna get that. Yeah, New York City, right? You you you'll have more teachers of color, but but um just just in general around the United States, it's not. So there's several different programs to try to help. Um, you know, um, build up black teachers again, like the Call Me Mister program um, out there, and there's um, Teacher for America. You know, you know, and while there's critiques for te- Teach for America. They they mm-hmm. haven't been you know very important for bringing in teachers of color within particular spaces. So you know hopefully we can you know build that up. You know um, I know there's plans at the University of Buffalo. Uh, I don't want to you know say anything, but but there are plans on um, you know trying to increase the population of uh, black um, and other uh, uh, teachers of color. Donovan, what's what's next for you? So my book publishes, and then you know, try to graduate. Gotta get yeah. my get my coursework done. <laughs> <laughs> well, what will you be looking to do after that? You know, I'm still you know weighing my options. Um, I think I want to be a professor and stay in uh, higher education, but 
Yeah. We'll see. I still got time. Look, Gary said I still got time. He's my advisor, so I still yeah. got time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask how you guys uh, like linked up um, just through the advisory process. So uh, we, we met in Missouri. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. So, so actually, um, Donovan was our babysitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She was. Uh, uh, she, she, she was our babysitter, and and I was really impressed by her because our kids were asleep when we got home every single time. <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, what are you doing? Are you putting melatonin in there? The juice or whatever the case may be, right?" And that's been a while because yeah. uh, Preston's thirteen now, and yeah, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah, and uh, my daughter's ten now, so I mean, but so so it, it's been a while. But she she was always quiet and and you know just did her thing and you know left or whatever you know after she got paid, right? You know, so she made yeah. sure she got paid. Um, and then like one day I just saw her at um, one of the conferences that you know we had, and I was like, wait a minute, you're interested in Black history? And and then I'm like. Did you know? And I think she knew, but she never really said anything. I'm like, I didn't know he opened the door. Say, oh, that's the man from the conference. I said, but I'm, I ain't, I'm gonna keep my cool though. Keep my cool. <laughs> and, and I was just like, oh, okay. Why she, why she never said that she's interested in black? Probably was looking through all our books no. and all that, so, you know, probably doing all that at the house and stuff like that. So, so the that's the. You know, that's where we, um, you know, uh, met initially. And, you know, she she was a great uh, teacher in the Columbia, Missouri area. And when when we decided to um, move to the Buffalo area, I just asked her a question. I said, um, are you interested in getting your Ph.D.? And, you know, I think, think, you know, she said, yeah, I am. You know, well, let's talk about it a little further. So here we are. Mm-hmm. And Dr. King, what's next for you? Oh, a lot, right? Uh, so tell us about it. Well, no, the center um, we're we're um, you know growing in the center now. You know where we have, I believe, um, uh, five doc students and an undergrad student and uh, two assistant directors. Um, we're doing lots of programming. Um, you know, it's so not only Black History Nerds. We do a research and race series. Um, we have book clubs that we hold virtually. Um, we're building on the micro credential, um, and then um, of course our summer um, conference is our signature conference. So we're continuously working on that, you know, to bring in hundreds of teachers from around the world to learn about the most effective, you know, um, um, instructional practices in Black history. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're, we're we're just really working hard on that. I'm I'm just really trying to focus on that, and then you know focus on my book and everything like that. And you know, yeah. talk, talk a little bit about your book. 1933, Carter G. Woodson wrote The Miseducation of the Negro, uh, which is a collection of essays that, you know, talked about uh, Negro education, business, uh, Negro society lives, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. It is a classic um, book. Uh, my book, um, um, not titled yet, um, but it's an answer to miseducation. Um, you know, so, yeah, so, so, so the, the tenor of the title is, uh, countering miseducation, teaching black history, um, teaching through black history. That's the tenor of the title. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially it's going to talk about my black history framework and really go into depth, um, with that. So very excited about that. It, it'll take me a little bit, but um, yeah, very excited about that. I look forward to, to reading it when it comes out. Um, with, Black History Nerds Saturday School Saturday School. Where how can folks tune in for um, 
Donovan James's appearance? It's November 11th? Yes, November 11th. And you can go on the Center for K-12 Black History website through UB. All right. This is What's Next. I want to thank my guest, Dr. LeGarrette King, the director of the Center for K-12 Black History and Racial Literacy Education at the University at Buffalo and creator of Black History Nerds Saturday School, and Donovan James, second year PhD student in the Department of Learning and Instruction, author, and social media star. <laughs> thank you both for joining us today. Thank, thank you for having us. This is WBFO in WBFO HD1 Buffalo, WOLN Olean, and WUBJ Jamestown, your NPR station. That about does it for this episode of What's Next. This has been Thomas O'Neill White. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs> <laughs>